here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. This is like the MLB trade deadline all over again. Madness. I love it. Welcome into another emergency edition of Fantasy Baseball today. Late Sunday night, November 28th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White. Here to talk Kevin Gosman, Max Scherzer, and John Gray. Let's start with Kevin Gosman, who is headed to the Toronto Blue Jays on a five-year, $110 million deal. Apparently was offered more money by the New York Mets, but turned it down. More on them in just a little bit. Since the start of 2020, Kevin Gosman, this is where he ranks among qualified starting pitchers. Seventh in ERA with a 3.00 ERA. Sixth in K-minus walk rate, 23.5%. Fourth in swinging strike rate, 15.3%. The problem now is that he made half of those starts in San Francisco. Obviously, that's a very favorable place to pitch. And he's headed to Toronto the American League East. Scott, you initially had Kevin Gosman at SP13 in your rankings. What are you thinking now? I'm thinking I'm, I'm not so interested in downgrading him that much. And I, it seems like there is a, a certain amount of freak out going on among fantasy baseballers because of that venue shift. And it's reminiscent of Jose Barrios going from a less extreme pitcher's park in, in Minnesota to Toronto at the trade deadline last year on it. You know, I, I was kind of freaking out over that because, you know, it's not like Rios in Min- Minnesota was even what Gosman had been in San Francisco. I think the most encouraging stat here is XFIP. <laughs> always, right? You know, I'm always citing XFIP. The thing, one, one thing that we don't talk about often with XFIP is that it neutralizes for venue uh, because it, it basically replaces home run rate and FIP with fly ball rate. So fly balls, you know, it's it's not measuring whether or not they go out of the park. It's just measuring whether or not it's hit in the air. And that's that's independent of venue. So Kevin Gossman's ex-FIP with the Giants uh, the past two seasons is just as impressive as his ERA. It's, it's um, uh, let's see, I had the number here. I lost, I, I think it's 322. 322 yep. versus that even three ERA. So very good regardless of, of which metric you're measuring him by. Um, so I really, I think really, I think the big question for Kevin Gosman isn't so much. Can he adapt to this new environment? I, I think he'll be fine. His ERA, you know, there's a good chance it goes up some, but to the point that he's not going to be a frontline pitcher anymore. Well, if he's legitimately the guy he's been for his past 43 starts, I don't think it's, I don't think it's enough to worry about. The question is, is he legitimately the guy he's been for his past 43 starts? And the second half numbers give you reason to wonder. He had a four, uh, an ERA over 4-4 four, four in the second half. So the last 15 of those 43 starts. Now, the ERA was pretty high. Now, everything else was great. Swinging strike rate was awesome. Strikeout rate, great. Um you know, all the peripherals pretty much during that second half slump for Gosman still pointed to a pitcher who had broken through as a high interler. He just had an ERA during that 15 start stretch. So, do you take the 43 starts at face value? Do you fixate on those 15 starts for a guy who has a spotty, well, not so much a spotty track record, but just was a mediocre pitcher prior to 2020? Um, you know, obviously one of those sample sizes is bigger than the other. Also, I I don't know that Oracle Park from 2020 on, basically the exact same period during which Gosman pitched there, I don't know that you can 
assess that as the same way this the same way as you assess pre 2020 Oracle Park because beginning in 2020 the time Gosman arrived there it's played much fairer than it has historically I was actually just looking at park effects earlier today and it was close to neutral it was still slanted toward pitchers but not in the extreme way it's been for the majority of its history so you know it, it may be less extreme park shift than we're even giving it credit for that i do agree with but i think you would still say in comparison to roger center and toronto it's it's a decent change like it's not nothing yeah. right so it's something no, it's, yeah. it's not nothing like it's it it doesn't help just like right. I said on the previous emergency pod, you never like to see a hitter signed with the Marlins as Avi Sal Garcia did. You never like to see a pitcher leave the Giants. Yeah. Right. Um, um, but he's going to a contender, stacked lineup. We'll present him with a lot of opportunities to win games. Will his ERA go up some? You know, probably. If but like if if he's legitimate, if if Kevin Gosman is legit then he's still it'll still probably be better than a 3 5 ERA. He'll still get him miss a ton of bats. He'll still go deep into games. He'll win a bunch of games. Um I could see dropping him two spots from 13th to 15th that would put him behind Aaron Nola and Charlie Morton in my personal rankings. But I, I'm not willing to go any further than that. Yeah, you're right. Like if he just continues what he's been, he's going to come as a steal once again because he finishes SP8 in 5x5 Roto this past season and he's currently SP16 in early ADP. So, you know, things could change. I think if anything happens, he's probably going to move down in ADP a little bit uh, after this signing. We'll see what happens ultimately. Uh, But let's talk about that ADP. 54.14. He's going within five picks of three other starting pitchers. So, a couple of names here that are really bunched up. Yeah. Gosman. Freddie Peralta, Logan Webb, Jack Flaherty. Who do you prefer from that group? See, so I, I noticed you asked this on Twitter in poll form. I did. Four <laughs> pitchers. And I was shocked by the result. Should we go ahead and reveal the result? Let's do the that. Result, uh, the result was Gosman was fourth. Yeah, he was point. last of that group. Only 15% yeah. of the vote. Jack Flaherty was first with 33.5%. So what I find amazing about that is the three compi- the, the three pitchers he's being compared to. Because by my own rankings, by my own sensibilities, Gosman isn't even in the same tier as Flaherty, uh, Freddie Peralta, and who's the third one? Uh, Logan Webb. Yeah, he's not even in the same tier then. I, I mean, the only one of them that's ever had a season like Gosman just had is Flaherty, and it was a couple years ago, and he's now coming off a season where he was injured most of the time. So, like, they all have, I think, big questions to answer themselves, bigger than Gosman does. So I don't even have them in the same tier as Gosman. So I'm surprised, first of all, that Gosman's going around that group in NFBC. But you know what? NFBC, it's it's obviously a small sample of drafts. It's a competition that makes for exaggerated drafting tendencies anyway. So I don't really feel like you can take NFBC ADP at face value to begin with. Um, so I'm less surprised by that than the fact that the voters not only put Gosman among that group, but put him last in that group, which to me just seems like knee-jerk, doom-and-gloom reaction to where he signed. And I think the passage of time will sober everybody up and they'll look at his numbers again and see just how dominant Gosman was this past season. And and I, I think when drafting time actually comes, they'll make a different decision. So it sounds like you're in 
You're in on Gosman. I mean, if that's actually what it ends up being, I guess I'll have a lot of Gosman. Yeah, I don't want to have a lot of Gosman necessarily, <laughs> yeah. but if you know, if 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 everybody else is going to be that much lower than me, um, which I doubt again, but if that happens, then yeah, sure. I think it just comes down to, and you spoke on this, is is your confidence in the pitcher, Kevin Gosman, who he's been the past two seasons. Well, you know, a season and a half, right? Because whatever, 2020 was a shortened season. But uh, yeah, like if you trust that, then yeah, you should be drafting Kevin Gosman. Me, I'm a little bit more wary, just given his track record. I understand all the numbers. He's He's been really, really good. Uh, he still is just a two-pitch pitcher at this point, basically. The fastball and splitter um, accounted uh, for 88% of his uh, pitches thrown last season. So I, I still worry. I, I just have concerns myself about Kevin Cosman. So I don't know that I'm going to be in on this price. Uh, I'll see, you know, if he starts to slide a little bit, maybe maybe I'll jump in there. But let's move on. Nothing is done yet, but John Morosi is reporting the Mets are close to finalizing a multi-year deal with Max Scherzer. Now, this is awesome news for, you know, Mets fans, obviously, like, already brought in Starling Marte. Like, you should be very excited about this if it happens. Sounds like it's going to be either three or four years. Max Scherzer, already 37 years old. So, I mean, you know, you're committing uh, a decent amount of time to, to someone who's pretty old. but And an average annual value of, like, 40-ish is yeah. what's been thrown out there, right? Over three, like... This is going to be a crazy. Right. It's going to be as big a contract as a 37 year old can hope for, for sure. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, like, this is going to be an unprecedented contract for the the player, his skill level, and like where he's at just in his career at this yeah. point. But he was still amazing this past season. Two point four six Cy Young voting. Yeah. Two four six ERA. Zero point eight six WHIP. Two hundred and thirty six strikeouts. Over one hundred seventy nine and a third innings pitched. Finishes the SP one in five by five roto. He was the SP two in fantasy points per game. You have some of these concerns, obviously, getting up there in age. Uh, wasn't able to pitch in the NLCS due to dead arms. Said that it was, quote, overcooked. So, I don't know. What, what would you think if this actually does happen, Scott? Max Scherzer to the New York Mets. How would you feel about that? I mean, Max Scherzer is one of Cy Young in Detroit. Right. Or two. He either won two in Detroit or Washington. He, he won at least one in each of those locations. And um, then pitched a half a season with the Dodgers was just as dominant as he's always been. I, I don't think going to the Mets changes anything. I don't think going to, you know, the moon would change anything for Max Scherzer. He's, <laughs> he, we, we know who he is until he gets too old to be that. And he is verging on that potentially, uh, but there hasn't been enough let up in his production to really worry about that, I think, going into 2022. Uh, he did. He did see his workload cut back just slightly to he was more that six, seven inning guy than a seven, eight inning guy that we've always known him to be, but that's nitpicking. I mean, he's going to be one of the five pitcher first five pitchers off the board in all likelihood, whether he's with the Mets or not. Yeah. I think that's the biggest takeaway, right? Is like, he's going to be fine no matter where he pitches. Uh, you know, maybe Coors Field wouldn't be great, but we know that's not going to happen. Uh, his ADP right now is 17.8 as the fifth starting pitcher off the board going behind Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns, Walker Bueller, and Brandon Woodruff. If, any, if anything changes from now and the next time that we podcast, uh, we will update you on the situation. But it sounds like Max Scherzer, once again, close to a deal with the New York Mets. Let's wrap up here, Scott, with uh, John Gray to the Texas Rangers on a four-year, $56 million deal. Uh, one of those pitchers that was actually a little bit better at Coors Field than he was on the road in his career, and we're talking like 
it's very minuscule. It's like a 4.56 ERA versus a 4.65, something like that. Uh, with that being said, his 4.59 career ERA is much higher than his underlying numbers. So, uh, you know, maybe pitching in Colorado uh, has led to some unluckiness for John Gray, but a 3.80 XFIP, a 4.00 Sierra with over a strikeout per inning for John Gray. And for what it's worth, Eno Saris tweeted this about Gray. Plus slider, the curveball is above average outside of cores, and the team that gets him will believe that they can make some changes on the fastball profile, which fit cores. Either way, the floor is super high for John Gray. The ADP right now, 298.32. I have to imagine that's going to jump at least 50 picks. Yeah, so... You know, Saris offered the specifics that I was lacking there, but I I think what could easily get lost in the John Gray analysis is the effect that pitching at Coors Field has on an entire pitcher's profile. John Gray coming out of college was about as high-end as a pitching prospect gets, and it's to his credit that he's navigated Coors Field as well as he has, but like he's obviously had to change some things to do that, um, he's had to, you know, neuter part of what made him so effective in college. Um, you know, cutting back on certain pitches and, and just developing different habits altogether. And it'll be interesting to see if he can unlearn those habits after seven years at Coors Field. That's a long time, obviously. And is he set in his ways now? Uh, hopefully not, because, you know, we see the road numbers being what they are, um, not you know, anything to get excited about in fantasy, especially with the Rangers supporting cast to back him up. But, but if he can recapture part of what was lost just to survive Coors Field, then he could be, he could be a pretty exciting pickup late in fantasy. There there may be, there may be um, a ceiling. He may be able to achieve a ceiling that people had forgotten he had. Who would you rather draft right now, Scott? John Gray or Corey Kluber, who just signed with Tampa Bay? I believe John Gray. I believe so as well. Um, you know, I, I don't want to overreact too much to this, but I'm I'm a little excited. I'm a little excited to see what John Gray could do outside of Coors Field. So uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously, I think he made some really good points, some things that he has to uh, change up now regarding the arsenal and, and just some habits that he's had in the past. So we'll see if John Gray can do that. Uh, and... If he can, then he could be pretty damn good here with the Texas Rangers. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this emergency edition of Fantasy Baseball today. If anything else happens, I'm sure that we'll go live uh, at some point tomorrow. If not, then we'll just record our normal podcast Monday night, and that will come out for you on Tuesday. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We will see you again on Tuesday. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. 
The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.